Welcome to Liberated Living Ministries with John and Beverly Sheesby. You are listening to the Seed to Seed message for August 2022. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please visit our website, liberatedliving.com. Grace to you and greetings to you from Glenpool, Oklahoma. I'm in the office. I've been editing the message that is going to be this month's Seed to Seed. And uh, so that's why I'm not at home in our games room doing this recording. Uh, I know it's been quite a few months since we put out a Seed to Seed. And I apologize for that, but I haven't had any word that the Lord is quickening to me that I was to share until we went to Hogansville a couple of weekends ago and I felt led to minister on the subject of the Holy Spirit. I had taught on that at the last Shop Fix Academy in the morning devotional sessions and I just felt the Lord uh, leading me to preach on that and in addition to the three messages that I preached there, there'll be one more as well at the tail end that I'll be sharing uh, of a truth that I did not get to share there, but that, that'll be coming up. Well, we have had a very fruitful time. Bev and I are in a wonderful place. We feel so blessed. God has been good to us. We're in great spirits, in great health. God has been meeting every need, and we just want to say thank you to those of you who've been so faithful in supporting the ministry, and we just speak abundant blessings upon you for being faithful, listening to the Spirit, and doing what He tells you to do. So, I believe that without any further ado, we'll get right on into the message, no longer an orphan. You are no longer an orphan because the Spirit of adoption has come. You be blessed. Now, at the end, we go went into a ministry time, and there were long periods of silence, and I've cut those out just to, the message is not too long, but there was such a wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit in the stillness. I mean, people, there wasn't a cough, there wasn't anything, it was like a holy hush from heaven fell on us. So I pray that you'll experience that same presence of the Holy Spirit ministering to you during that ministry time. So without further ado, here's the message. Um, I don't know if you can remember, some of you weren't here, but when I first came here, I preached a message on the problem with grace. And uh, I know it had a profound impact on Pastor Alex, but my children were part of a church in Tulsa where there was a pastor who was preaching grace. But even as Alex and Jill had experienced, because of some of the um, drama associated with the Word of Faith movement and Oral Roberts and so on, he had sort of reacted to the whole message of faith, and he had reacted to the move of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he was teaching grace. Church exploded with growth. I mean, it grew from zero and my children were involved with the worship from the second sun, second Friday. It started on a Friday night. And it grew to about 4,000. And then he had a crash. He had a moral failure. And it was such a destructive thing for my children because they said, what, what was the problem with that? And I said, here's the problem. If you preach grace without faith, it leads to passivity. 
and fatalism. If you preach grace without the Holy Spirit, it leads to license. And so, you know, there are many components to the new covenant, but the three major ones are number one, grace. Number two, faith, because everything is by faith. By grace are ye saved through faith. And then thirdly, the presence, ministry, reality of the Holy Spirit is what makes the new covenant so amazing. Because God designed that we shouldn't live by rules and regulations, but live by indwelling presence, his own nature, living within us, transforming us from the inside out. And so learning about the Holy Spirit is so critical. You know, I was raised in a tradition, me in a Baptist church, where we didn't talk too much about the Holy Spirit because that was for the Pentecostals down the road. And, and they were a little bit off-key, kind of, th- as far as we were concerned. And um, anyway, I discovered this as I came to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Then I realized that not only did we as Baptists not know the person of the Holy Spirit, but many Pentecostals didn't know him. They had an experience, but they didn't know the person of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to do some teaching on the person of the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. And I'm starting off with a verse in John 16 and verse 7. Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper or the comforter will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So the first startling statement is this. Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away. And I tell you what, if if we had to make an announcement that Jesus himself was coming to be at this church tonight, there wouldn't be room in this building for all the people that would want to come and see Jesus if Jesus came in his physical presence. But if Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I go not away, the Holy Spirit will not come. Obviously, in his reckoning, the Holy Spirit is extremely important. And we have not given him his rightful place. We have not recognized how significant his presence in the earth is. Jesus said it's advantageous if I go, because if I don't go, the Spirit will not come to you. I I think it's so important for us to understand what are the advantages that we have in having the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, the first thing is very obvious, and that is this. If Jesus were here in his physical body, he could only be at one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He can be in many places at one time. We're going to look at this more closely on Sunday, but I want to just emphasize this. Jesus said in John 17, he said, when he comes, he's coming to you. The Holy Spirit doesn't come just to drift around in the atmosphere. He's a person who comes to inhabit people. Our bodies 
are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus shed his blood to redeem us so that we might become the dwelling place of God by his Spirit. That was the purpose of redemption. It wasn't just to get you a ticket to heaven. It was that Jesus could multiply himself through the person of the Holy Spirit into millions of people operating in the power and in the nature of the Father to express the Father's life, express the Father's will in the earth. It's an, it's an incredibly glorious plan that God had. Don't you think? So that you can be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And your wife, your husband, your children can all be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit can live in every single one of us. He can inhabit us and express the Father's life and the Father's nature through us. So he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, the Holy Spirit will come to you. Now, he called him there the helper. The comforter, the one who is called alongside, it was a word that was used in New Testament times of an advocate, an attorney. Jesus was saying that the, the Holy Spirit is going to be our attorney, our advocate, our the one called alongside in time of need. And so the my New King James Version tr- just translates it as the helper. He's here to help in whatever situation I'm in. That's a wonderful thing to know. It's a wonderful thing to have. That's a wonderful thing to rely on. You know, it's the helper. You know, I didn't sleep too well last night, and then we had this... I preached all night last night. You know, that happens. I was telling Alex, I'm getting too old for this game. Because I don't sleep too well the night before I preach because I find myself preaching most of the night. And then, you know, we've had this the two flights and then we got to Atlanta and uh, our rental... I tried to save God some money and so I got a cheap rental car and... And that was wrong because we got to Thrifty and they were sold out of cars. And so they said, you're going to have to wait an hour and a half for a return of a car. So we just went to Enterprise and got another car. I ran around finding a car. (laughs) Anyway, what I'm trying to say is this. I need the helper tonight. Yeah, but that's what he's come for. He's come to be our helper in whatever situation we're in. He's our advocate. He's our helper. And it's, uh, that it's, therefore, it's to our advantage. Now, he says, and oh, no, this is what I want to get to. We're going to turn to John 14. And we're to, I want to read verses 15 to 18 of John 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. Really, the... Um, if in my Bible, in the margin, it gives the alternate reading, which is what the, the early manuscripts are. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The form of the verb is exactly the same, and it depends on the translators, their preference as to whether you make it into imperative mood or the indicative mood. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not, it's not a commandment. He's just making a statement. Just like God says, 
or Jesus said, as he who has called you is holy, so you will be holy. You don't have to be holy, you are holy. He already made you holy. Isn't that right? You're righteous. You're holy. You're sanctified. As far as God is concerned, it's a done deal. Not only that, you're already glorified, according to Romans 8. It's such a done deal, you see. What, what happens to us, though, is we, we look at what is in the Scripture as a statement and we turn it into a commandment. And he's saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's just the outworking of love in your, in your life. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you from time to time. When you feel good, when you feel really high spiritually, here's the deal. Here's the magnificent truth of the Holy Spirit. He never leaves. He cannot leave. Jesus said he's going to abide forever. Whence once he has made his abode within you, he cannot leave. That's a promise. Well, but why don't I feel his presence all the time? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because our problem is this. We examine our emotions, we examine our feelings, or we, we think things through and we come to a conclusion that, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't seem to be there. He's there. See, and this is where we come to this whole issue of faith. A strong faith is absolutely important in experiencing and appropriating all of the blessing of Jesus going away. We're going to go into it more of all that has been provided for us with Jesus leaving and going to the, returning to the Father. But the, the only way you appropriate it is through faith. Otherwise, the reality is there, but you can live as though Jesus were a million miles away. Yeah. Ephesians 4 says this. He says, that this I say, that you no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the, love, the life of God through the blindness that is within them. You can live alienated from, from the life of God because you're blinded to the truth. You know, Bev had a wonderful discussion with our grandson who yesterday came to weed the yard. And so Bev just felt the Lord telling her to talk to him a bit. I was out and Bev spoke to him about Ephesians 1, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, seeing beyond, you know, and the illustration that we've used is this, a baby has eyes and can see everything, and you look at a little baby and their eyes, they're looking at everything, but they have absolutely no understanding of what their eyes are seeing. And the problem with so many of us, we're seeing, but we're not understanding. There's an issue with the eyes of our heart not having been enlightened so that we can see what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal to us. 
And one of the biggest areas is this, that we don't believe in his abiding presence with us. Not practically. On Sunday we'll say to church, oh yes, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's with me all the time. But then a crisis hits during the week and what happens? It's so easy to lose sight of the abiding presence. His his commitment to, to be in us, to stay with us forever. He'll abide with us forever. I love that. Forever. 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 I turn to Colossians chapter 1. These are familiar verses to you, but they're such good verses. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. He says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, Paul is saying this is the, the central mystery of this Christian life is something that has been hidden for all of the ages but now has been revealed. And that is this, that Christ has come to indwell us. And that's exactly what Jesus promised in John chapter 14. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's come to abide with us forever, to indwell us. <laughs> Ooh. So some of you are looking at me, and I won't say how your faces look, but we have a credibility problem here because we've lived so with such a sense of the remoteness of God from us. It's like, yes, he's here, but I don't feel his presence. And so I carry on with my day doing the best that I can, you know, and muddling along instead of appropriating his presence and just confessing that his presence, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That means this, when he says Christ, that means the anointed one. So Christ, with all of his anointing, dwells within me, the hope of glory. Is that the hope of heaven? No, it's glory now. Wherever I go, I can experience the glory of his presence and of his operation in my life and through my life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at chapter 2 of Colossians, and then we'll go back to John. Chapter 2 of Colossians and verse... Verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So in Jesus, there was all of the fullness of, of God dwelling in a human body. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit was all in his bodily form. He goes away and he sends the Holy Spirit. But when he sends the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm coming to you. And he says, my father and I are going to come and make our home with you. So in the coming of the Holy Spirit, we've got all of the fullness of the Godhead that was in Jesus in his bodily form when he was on the earth. Now is in in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And yet, listen to this. And you are complete in him. Verse 10 says, 
You are complete in him. <laughs> I did a series years ago on the renewing of the mind. And, and one of the, the messages that I did was on this, this deficit that people feel continually of something's missing, something's lacking. There's something missing in my life. And it comes down to this fact that we've allowed the enemy to deceive us from believing the truth of his immediate presence with us 24-7. And we've believed, we've, we've given credence to the idea that sometimes we can, you know, we can so offend the Holy Spirit that he sort of leaves the room. I don't want to be crude. But I guarantee there's some of you feel that if you were having sex with your spouse, the Holy Spirit would leave the room. Because we've had such ideas that certain things are just fleshly. No, they're not. Sex is a wonderful gift from God. See? And the, the, the whole idea that there's certain things that c- cause God to turn away and be, oh, okay, you know, I'll come back in a few minutes, you know. <laughs> Nonsense. Where did we get that idea from? It's from wrong theology, wrong teaching about God. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit is there to make every experience of your life as full as is possible for it to be. You are complete in Him. That means there's nothing lacking. That means there's nothing missing. That means there's nothing broken. Our problem is our unbelief. In just not believing the truth of what Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would be to us. Let's go back to John chapter 14. I want to read more verses there. Start at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We read this before, but I want to carry on. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. One of the same kind, in other words. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you i want you to understand this that when you are operating in the holy spirit you will make people who are lost uncomfortable around you does the world cannot receive the the holy spirit And so when you are full of the Holy Spirit, the world will know that there's something different about you, but they can't, they can't, or as John puts it in John chapter 1, in him was light and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. It can be, did not overwhelm it or did not understand it. The darkness does not understand the power of light. The world cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
See, that's the promise of the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was coming to abide with them forever. And then verse 18. And this is the verse that I want to really focus on. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. There's a tremendous amount of wounding, tremendous amount of trauma in the world. One in three women have been sexually abused. One in five men have been sexually abused. Just start just with sexual abuse. What about all the other trauma that children have experienced? And all of that trauma leaves the imprint of an orphan mentality, an orphan spirit, a feeling of detachment, a feeling of not belonging, a feeling of not being good enough. Bev and I just this week have been listening to some podcasts. Wayne Jacobson has preached in this church in the past. And Wayne's wife, Sarah, has just recently gone through a tremendous healing. But it started off with her leaving him, moving out, getting an apartment, not understanding what was going on in her own life. And she had some bad counsel, but nevertheless... But what I want to focus on is that in God restoring their marriage, she's had to deal with so much of the trauma of of her childhood, with sexual abuse and so on. See, Jesus said, there are things in this world that will make you feel like you're an orphan, you don't belong, you'll experience this emptiness inside and you can't understand, why do I feel so empty? Why do I feel so lonely inside? Why do I feel so alone? I don't sense God's presence. See, I was listening to Andrew Womack preaching yesterday and he said, if people come to me and say, would you pray for me that I'll experience the love of God? He said, I won't do that. He says, the reason is the love of God is already poured out in your heart through the Holy Spirit. If I pray for you, for the God, for you to experience the love of God, you'll feel like it's something coming from the outside instead of understanding that his love is already in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came to deliver you from all orphan mindset and orphan emotions. See, Romans 8.15, we have not received the spirit of bondage, but we've received the spirit of adoption or setting in place as a son and a daughter by which we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit's whole purpose in coming to you is to connect you in a vital relationship with the Father so that you never again doubt His love for you. Not because you feel His love, but because the Word says He loves you. The truth of the Word has to be that anchor for your emotions because your emotions vacillate from day to day and from moment to moment through the day. And if you don't have something more firm, it's easy to be just blown away by circumstances around you. See? And so the Holy Spirit has come to get you firmly anchored in this reality 
that I am a son, a daughter of the living God. Now, I love what what, uh, Paul says in in Galatians chapter 4. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. See, and so this is how it goes. The word with, there is the word alongside. And so when I, through faith in what God says in his word, his spirit has come to abide with me forever. His spirit is with me. He's living within me. Jesus has come to inhabit me through the Holy Spirit. The Father indwells me. His love has been shed abroad in my heart, Romans 5, 5, through the Holy Spirit that has been given to me. And I begin to Say, I believe that God's word is true and that God lives within me and his love has been poured out in me. I am his son. I am his daughter. Now, your feelings might feel like, well, I don't feel that. It doesn't matter what your feelings are. Your spirit must rise up and confess what the word says. I'm, a, I'm his child. And when you confess, I am his son, I am his daughter, you know what happens? His spirit comes alongside your spirit and sets up a duet. Abba, Father. But you start, you start in faith in saying, he's my father, he's my daddy, he's my Abba. He's my father. See, if, you, if you're going to wait until you've got all your ducks in a row and you've got all your wounds sorted out and you, you feel great about yourself and you feel good and everything's going great, if you wait till then, you'll never get to that place of being established in knowing that you are your father's daughter. You're your father's son. And so you start off in faith confessing, He is my father. I am his child. He is Abba, Father, which is an intimate way of expressing the the relationship with the Father. And so his spirit bears witness alongside my spirit that I am a child of God. When I, by faith, begin to confess, I'm not an orphan anymore. His Holy Spirit has come to me. To set me in place. The word adoption there is not the legal word for adoption. It's just an equivalent in English that helps us to understand. But the word in the Greek is to be set in place as a son or to be set in place as a daughter. And how were you set in place? Not by any legal machination. You were set in place through a birth. You're born into the family. You're born into the family. You're not the firstborn, but you have every much right, as, as, as much right as Jesus, the firstborn. You're as much a child of God as Jesus is the Son of God. Because, Galatians 4 says, He has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, the same spirit of sonship that was in Jesus is in you. If Jesus could say, Father, you can say, Father. 
<laughs> Isn't this great? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. See, we should, as, as children of God, we should be the, the most ebullient, overflowing, full of joy kind of people. Why? Because of the reality of this abiding presence of the Holy Spirit within. Isn't that right? Yes. And yet we allow the cares of this world and all, everything else to weigh down upon us so that we lose all our perspective and we lose the joy of the perspective of knowing our Father and living in that reality. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then the crowning truth is just look at the next uh, few verses. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. And then, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then verse 23, And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The indwelling presence of God, Father. Now, my heart for you all is for you to be healed of whatever it is in you that causes you to doubt the Father's love for you. Because it is. It's just unbelief. Because you have the same measure of faith that was in Jesus. You have the same measure of faith that was in Paul. Is that right? Yeah, in fact, you have the same measure of faith that was in Peter. Peter says we have like precious faith in Second Peter 1. But we also have the problem of unbelief. And do you understand that you can have faith and unbelief coexisting? So you can believe, you can believe for certain things, but then there can be those areas where there's just unbelief. And so God wants to heal the wounds that cause you to distrust him. You know, and so often that unbelief comes from the disappointment. Disappointment of unheard prayers, unanswered prayers that we think God hasn't answered. The disappointment of God not fulfilling his word as we thought that he would. Not fulfilling the promises that we've been hanging on to. And those prophetic words that we've been you know, repeating. And so it's easy to become offended and disappointed at God. Bev just went through a healing. Can I tell about your healing? As long as you do it right. As long as I do it right. <laughs> Bev has had a traumatic fear of the dentist. And it goes back to her childhood. It, it was hard for Bev to trust God in a certain area. And so uh, Bev was, she was riding her bike around the neighborhood. Well, why don't you just tell the story? 
because I really think he's going to get it wrong. So, <laughs> so I was riding my bike, which I do every day, around the neighborhood. And I was going around this corner. And boy, and I lean into these corners now, and it's so good. And I get a picture in my um, mind. It's just like I'm riding, I'm turning the corner, and I see myself. I'm eight years old. And my dad is taking me to the dentist. I've got a little dress on. I'm sitting there with my hands on my lap. And I am scared spitless. And we stop at a stop, a stop street. And I prayed fervently. I said, oh, Jesus, please won't you come back before we get to the dentist. <laughs> it's the truth. I prayed. We got to the dentist and he hadn't got there. I said, well, we've got to go up this dark alley, you know, to go up the street. And the dentist, oh, he was, his name was Dr. Veen. He had black teeth. He was just such a mean person. I just, I had nightmares over him. And so I'm sitting in the waiting room and I'm still saying, Jesus, you could come back even now. You could come back and just take me home so I wouldn't have to go to the dentist. And he never did. Thank You know, I love that. Is it who, who's Garth Brooks sings? Thank God for unanswered prayers. Do you, you know that song? I love that song. I'm so glad he didn't answer my prayer. But you know, I came home and I told John about what I'd just seen, and he said, "Well, let's just deal with it." And the way you deal with those type of things, I just had to forgive God. And it sounded all so funny and off because I'm older now and I understand things now. I knew that he wasn't supposed to come back there. I knew he had to deal with my fear. I mean, even to this day, I'm now 71 years old. I go to the dentist and I say, you can look at my teeth, but you can't poke in my teeth. And he looks at me and I said, no, I'm serious. So the last time I had, this is to get my teeth cleaned, mind you. I haven't had any work done on my teeth. I said, you can't poke, you can just look. And he says, do you want to have some laughing gas while we clean your teeth? I said, yes, that'll be perfect. <laughs> That's how scared I was of the dentist. And it's so, it's irrational and it was stupid, you know. I mean, he can't do anything bad to me. If he had to hurt me, I'd just scream, you know, I'd just shout. So I just had to say, Lord, I forgive you for not answering my prayer. Because that little girl prayer that I'd prayed caused me to doubt and have fear in my heart. And, and I just let the Lord take that fear away. I cannot even begin to tell you, without that fear in me, my husband can't keep me down, can you, my <laughs> darling? I mean, it's like it's, I've been set free into another level, another orbit. Of, I, know it's, I know it's such a small thing. And I think, sorry, I'm just going to preach you a little bit. But I think so often we hold on to our fears and we hold them tight within us. Well, if I do that, that will happen. If I don't do that, that will happen. And if we just let them go, it's amazing what God will do in you and what God will do through you. Just let it go. God's bigger than our fears. There you go. She got the story right. <laughs> In other words, you know, we've all been through traumatic experiences in childhood and we don't deal with them, but we don't understand why there are blockages in our lives, why there are things that we can't let go of, things that we can't seem to overcome. And I tell you, I've discovered that the only way to get free is through forgiveness 
and allowing Jesus to come and heal the wound. And that's what the anointing is about, isn't it? Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I love that phrase. The prison that you thought held you captive is actually open. It was thrown open at Calvary. There's not a prison that has a door that is locked on you. Every door of every prison was thrown open when Jesus died on the cross. And what is so fantastic is this, that in Luke, when Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61, he changes healing the brokenhearted, and he changes it to opening blind eyes. That's not in Isaiah 61. The rationale of that is this, that we are wounded because our eyesight has become distorted through the events that we've gone through in our childhood. We don't see things clearly. We see God through the lenses of the trauma that we've gone through as, as children. We look at our spouses through the lens of the trauma that we've gone through. And so our eyesight has become distorted because of the experiences that we've had. And so he comes to heal our broken heart by opening our eyes to the truth so that we see things as he sees them. I'll tell one story here. Of course, if you've listened to the Freedom of Forgiveness, you know the story. Many years ago, I had this guy call me and say, can I come and see you? And he was a counselor from a church in Dallas. <clears throat> we were living in the mid-cities at that time in Hearst. And so he came and he said, now I've heard about your ministry. And he said, uh, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not Pentecostal, but he said, I've got a problem in my marriage. I can't function. And he's, he said, I'm actually the pastor in charge of all marriage counseling in a large church in Dallas. He said, I do all the weddings. And he said, I do all the marriage counseling. He says, but my own marriage doesn't work. So I said, well, what, what is the situation? What is the issue? He said, there is something that happens between my mouth and my wife's ears and her mouth and my ears. All of our communication gets distorted. We mishear each other all the time, and it leads to tension and so on. And so I explained the ministry of the Holy Spirit to him, and I said, okay, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you the root of this. And so he has a, had a memory, and he goes, the Holy Spirit brings up this memory. His father was a doctor, lived in, they lived in New Orleans. And one uh, Christmas day, they went across Lake Pontchartrain to visit friends on the other side of the lake, and he and his little brother were playing outside around the swimming pool. And his little brother fell into the swimming pool and couldn't swim and started to drown. And he went inside, called his father, and his father came and dove into the pool and fished his little brother out and applied CPR. And anyway, they 
put him blankets around him, took him home, and the little boy survived. But he said when we got to the house, my mother was waiting at the back door, and she just let rip and made the statement. She said he couldn't have fallen in on his own. And what that little brother boy heard was his mother accusing him of having pushed his brother into the water. And he hadn't done it. And he had carried that hatred. He said, I have a misogynistic spirit. I hate, I don't understand it. He said, I don't get on with women at all. And he's doing the marriage counseling. <laughs> How absurd can you be? <laughs> See, you can know all this, the, have all the skills and have all the knowledge, but there's the hidden things. And so I said, okay, we're going to ask Jesus to show you the truth. Because he doesn't want you to live in that lie. And all of a sudden he said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. My mother wasn't mad with me. Her anger was being directed at my father. She was mad at him. She was saying, if you were looking after him, he wouldn't have fallen in. But he had heard his mother accusing him. And that distorted perception had distorted all of his relationships from that point on. And so we asked the Holy Spirit to just heal that wound. I saw him uh, the following year, and he had spent Christmas with his mother. And he said the relationship has been totally restored and his relationship with his wife. See, the Holy Spirit has come to lead us into truth. And every place where you're not experiencing the fullness of Jesus in your life, it's because you've believed a lie. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And we'll talk more about his revelatory work tomorrow. But he's come to reveal truth to you so that you don't live in the effects of a lie that you believed in childhood or along the way. And let's face it, religion has sold us a whole lot of lies that the Holy Spirit wants to undo with and unravel the, the, you know, the, the nest of all these tentacles of those lies and the ways it influenced your life so that you can be free. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He's come to make us free. So, Father, right now, we invite the Holy Spirit to just come and minister in our hearts, in our lives. Holy Spirit, thank you. You abide with us forever. You don't get offended and leave. You don't get mad at us and sulk. You abide with us forever. Wow. Because your presence with us was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. He died so that we might never feel that we're orphans. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, right now, as the spirit of adoption, the setting in place of sons and daughters to come 
and heal. Heal broken places. You're so able. You're so gentle. You're non-judgmental. You don't apply a scalpel with anger. You're a helper. You're a healer. In the name of Jesus, I come against every orphan spirit that has harassed God's people in this building tonight. And I tell that orphan spirit, you have no rights over God's children. You don't belong in them. And so you leave in the name, power, and blood of Jesus. I command you to leave. And Holy Spirit, you come as the spirit of adoption, setting in place as sons and daughters. And as your children just begin to say, Father, 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 would you set up a duet with them in their hearts? Echoing, Father, Father, Father. I just let him heal you. This is so wonderful. The Holy Spirit is so able to do this. His presence is so wonderful. Just one touch of the Lord on your life. Just one touch of the Spirit on your life can do so much. So we're in his presence. We're just experiencing him moving upon us and touching us. Thank you, Lord. You're so trustworthy. Even as we sleep tonight, you can bring up those things that you want to just um, take away. Just like silver being refined just float to the surface anything that needs to be removed so that the ore of our lives will be pure and refined we want to thank you that you have come to abide with us Holy Spirit forever you're the helper the comforter the one called alongside the spirit of truth. Jesus said you would lead us into all truth. Thank you. Holy Spirit, we just receive you. We receive you. This is the conclusion of this message. You've been listening to the ministry of John and Beverly Sheesby. For more information on this and other available teachings, please visit our website at www dot liberatedliving.com God bless you and thank you for listening